You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instructions. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Earlier, sometime earlier last year, I think, I, one of the kids asked me a question at school, so I started thinking, and, and I've flown in airplanes probably more than 100 times, it was 110 times or something like that, just because, like I said, of different jobs that I've had. And, um, and I was thinking about that because, you know, still after all this time, after all these numbers of, of, uh, years that I've been in church, it never fails that whenever, you know, when I'm getting down to the end of the little tube and then you turn and you, you know, you walk through the little, the little, uh, hole in the wall of the tin can you're going to be flying in, you know, all of a sudden, right then and there, I start hearing it. Plane's going to crash. Yeah, this is it. Last one, you know. And, and the thing is, that used to bother me because I'm like, that, that's stupid. But what ends up happening is that, okay, so like I said, I still hear the voice. Even if I was to get on a plane this, this month, I'm sure I'd still hear it. But see, here's the thing. I've learned after that to stop and get quiet because I do know one thing. And most of you, if you're honest, you'll know the same thing. God knows how to get your attention. Okay, and so I just sit there for a second. I'm like, God, you know, you know, you've got my attention. If, you know, if if this isn't what I, you know, if this isn't some crazy thing, you know, if you want me to get off the plane, I'll get off right now. I don't care about the cost of the ticket or anything else. You know, and I and I wait to see if God gives me the the the, you know, the feeling that I need to be going. And of course, it doesn't happen. And so I'm like, I'm sorry, devil, we're going, you know, get on the plane and, and go. And that it's a small thing, but it's a big thing if you understand what's happening, because the thing is, the difference is God leads you and the devil drives you. And there's a big difference there. Uh, I'm sure we have enough guys in here that have been and probably a few ladies that have been in a corral with some cows. It's really nice if you have the one that you can just, you know, grab them and and just lead them over to where you want them. But most of the time, you know, you get a mesquite branch and let's go. You know, you got to move them. And the thing is, that's the difference between being led and being driven. And as Christians, we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, not the driving of the world, because that is getting more and more and more, I don't know, popular is probably not a good word, but, but it's true. It's more common. You know, you turn on the TV and, you know, every single channel has realized if they can scare you, they can get you to stick around for the commercial and maybe buy whatever the heck they're selling. You know, um, never in the history of ever... Have we had a death counter on the television with people stuck in their houses to have to watch it? And it's funny because those of you who watch scary movies, which probably not many of you, but if you do, 
You'll remember a, a story, uh, a movie. Gosh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but bottom line is there's a movie where, where uh, there was a, a disease that went out and, and, um, and uh, people were dying all over the place. And um, I think it was some kind of zombie movie or some kind of epidemic movie. But anyway, the, the whole point of the movie was that people ended up, so like some bad people in the government got control and, and like started forcing everybody to do everything and, you know, sealing people in their rooms and all this other stuff. This came out like maybe 10 years ago. Okay, but the funny thing is, in that movie, even these people who like are in the job of writing scary movies, the disease, the way they imagined the disease, it was half of the people who got this disease would die. And apparently that's what the writers thought was necessary before everybody would just do whatever they were told because they were afraid. And the thing is, the virus that right now is, you know, uh, that everyone is afraid of is actually a hundred times less, you know, less potent than that. Now, again, I've lost friends. I've lost family. I'm not telling you that this thing doesn't exist. What I'm saying is there's lots of things in the world to be afraid of, but that fear should not drive you. You should be led and never driven. I mean, hopefully you see yourself as better than a cow. You know, you should be led. You know, what God tells you to do, that's what you should be doing. And, 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 and like I said, it's, it's normal, it's natural, it's common that, you know, you feel the poke over here, so you walk this way, and then you feel a poke over there, and you walk that way. You know, it's the same kind of thing. You know, when we are driven to do the things that we do, it's not always a good, it's not always a good outcome. Again, sometimes you just have to shut everything down, get quiet for a minute, and say, God, you know, you know, I'm, I'm right here. If you need to tell me something, if I need to be doing this, if I, you know, let me know, you know, leave yourself open to being led and then don't worry about the, about the pokes and the prods that you get. Something Dennis Burke said one time at a minister's conference years and years ago, but it's, I mean, as long as I live, it's been absolutely true. He said, anytime you make a decision to relieve discomfort, that the primary reason you're doing what you're doing is to get away from the discomfort, you will 100% always make the wrong decision. If you make the decision because it's the right decision, you will, that discomfort will go away. But if you always do, if you always just, in other words, if, if your main purpose is avoiding the poke, you will always end up in the, in, the, in the wrong decision. And like I said, that, that's something that, that I took very seriously because I had recognized that in my own life. You know, it's like I said, if you do something good, well, you will get good results. And, and that, but like I said, if you do something, how many of you know, especially if you have kids, they hurt their foot and then they're walking around like this. <laughs> and you tell them, stop it, you're going to hurt yourself. And if you hear, you know, somebody, sometimes people have a little, they, they add a little more to there and they're like, if you keep limping on that leg, you're going to hurt your other leg. It's absolutely true. Okay. Anytime you, so all the kids trying to do is keep, keep the weight off that leg, but because they're doing something specifically 
for the purpose of not hurting that leg, they're going to mess something else up. And so what you have to do is you have to be you have to be careful. If you do the right things, if you take care of yourself, you will begin to recover and the pain will get less. But again, when you do things that you are, you know, specifically to get rid of the aggravation of whatever's annoying you, whatever's poking you, most of the time you will make the wrong decision. Now, why why am I coming here? Because um, because like I said, right now my my focus on this message is Basically, to be careful, I don't have a title, but if I did, it would be something like, you know, don't let fear, right, motivate you. Thank you. That's, that's, I was going, going to go somewhere else, but that's better. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really the point. Don't let, don't let fear be the reason why you do something. Because, I mean, if nothing else, hopefully you understand that, that that's not God, you know, um, so like I said, we're, we're living in an age where, where people are seeking to control us by means of fear. Um, so I'm going to open with, so if you turn in your Bible to uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. So, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, and we'll start at verse 1. So, it says, Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See you not all these things? Verily I say to you, there shall not be one stone left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So, he's looking there, you know, this was... uh, they were in Jerusalem. He was showing them the temple. And if, you, if you've seen, uh, there's not very much of it left because it was, in fact, torn down, just like Jesus said. But the complex itself was huge. I mean, it would have been, it would have been a wonder for that, for that time for anyone to see a building that large. And Jesus was saying, one of the, you know, you won't even find two of these stones on top of the, one on top of the other. And it says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, what shall, what shall these thing, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered to them and said, take, take heed that no man deceives you, for many shall come in my name saying, I'm anointed and shall deceive many. Well, I'm not, not going to preach any of this, but I mean, that should, that should already sound familiar. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Check, check. But see that you be not troubled. So if I was going to have a subtitle to this message, that would be it. Take care that you're not troubled by all these things. He says, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation. And that's an interesting statement right there. If you look. The word they're, they're talking there is not, they don't mean nation in terms of like the United States and France. They're not talking about nations like that. If you go and look into the word, some of you, some of you may have it in your, in your um, cross-reference. 
um, the word they translate nation there is actually better translated ethnic group. So, see any racism happening? See any how, how, you know, it seems like right now it's not so much, you know, this country versus that country, but, you know, now all over the place uh, we are looking at this, this um, you know, this attitude that, well, whatever differences there are between us, what, you know, whatever I have that's, that's good and you have that's bad, well, obviously that's racism. You know, if this ever, you know, and, and it's just this constant stirring up of, of differences between people. And, you know, it's funny because I've seen, I've seen this church and we're supposed to be like, you know, the country bumpkins that don't, you know, don't get it too much. We're out here in the sticks, et cetera, et cetera. You can say all that kind of stuff. I've seen Native Americans. I've seen black people. I've seen Asian people. I've seen Hispanic people all come and minister the word to you guys. No one's ever called them a nasty slur, ever. So, you know, how is it that all us, all of us, um, you know, uh, country bumpkins out here in the sticks can understand, you know, maybe it's that we're Hispanic and we come in all colors of the rainbow. I don't know, you know. Um, uh, but the bottom line is like, that just doesn't, you know, here we are supposed to, you know, supposedly out in the woods and we know better than all these, you know, Ivy league, uh, Ivy league college professors that are teaching kids to be racist. You know, what is this, if not stirring up one ethnic group versus another, you know? So continuing, he says, uh, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences, check, check, and earthquakes in different places, and all of these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then you shall, they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and shall be, you shall be hated of all nations for my namesake. And then shall many be offended. Well, that's already funny, because... Like, people are on the news all night long getting offended about things that didn't, you know, they get offended over things that didn't, they didn't get offended over yesterday, or they get offended when it's you, and, and then last year, it turns out they were doing the same thing, but now they're all offended, even though that was their position last year. I mean, I'm not, not even going to go there, but, but really, everybody being offended, that's, that's pretty funny. You know, I get to hear people talk about how they're so offended that somebody used a particular word, and then I listen to the music that they're listening to for fun, and I'm like, well, I guess it's not that offensive, because apparently it makes you tap your foot. Anyway, so um, he says, many shall be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Check, check, check. And many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And that's, that's really funny, because right now, all you hear in the, in the news is, is, I mean, there's, there's this crazy message of love and tolerance, except if you're like the wrong kind of person, then it's completely intolerant, you know, um, if you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm a Christian. I mean, they'll tolerate anything except you. You know? Um, oh, and, and, and it, like I said, you hear this message of love, but it's, it's twisted. It's twisted. So you hear, you know, supposedly the whole world's never, I mean, we've never 
at least the way the world does it, we've never preached love and tolerance as much as we have in the past 10 years, and the world's gone to hell in a handbasket. So whatever they're preaching, at least we can agree it doesn't work. Um, He says, but he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness. So I just kind of want to take it there. But obviously, we're kind of there, you know. Um, I'll be honest with you. Back when I was studying this years ago, I was like, hey, we're there. Well, now we're even more there than we were then. I mean, you know, it's like I, I really didn't think we could get any more into that area. Well, yeah, I was wrong. So, I mean, you know, regardless, you know, like, like people have said, whether it's, uh, you know, five years, 10 years, a hundred years, a thousand years, it's going to be five, 10, a hundred or a thousand years. Like we've never had before because things are getting really interesting. But remember in the middle of all these things that Jesus was telling them, all these things have to happen. He says, but, but see that you are not troubled. That was his instruction to us in the middle of all this. And that's kind of where I want to focus. I don't, you know, yes, I could preach on all that other stuff for an hour. But what I want to remind you is that we are not subject to that. He told us we should be careful that we should see to it that we are not troubled. So some reasons. God has made a covenant with us. And he can't take it back. Turn with me to, uh, well, we're still in Matthew, but um, look at a little bit towards the end. Um, Verse 35, so chapter 24, verse 35. And Jesus is talking still about signs of the end of the age and all this stuff. And he says in verse 35, he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. And that's, you know, I, I, I included that because it's right in there. But the truth is that that Jesus is reminding us that we have a covenant promise. And even if the whole world blows up, it's not going to. But even if it were, his promise will still hold. All right, let's, let's look into that uh, a little bit. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. And we'll look into... You see, God already knew what life was going to be like for us. You know, and he knew that it was going to be hard for us to believe some of these things, to believe the promises of God over what your own eyes tell you. Okay? So let's look at chapter um, uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. And, <clears throat> excuse me, he says... Um, Well, let me back up a little bit. Well, no, we'll go ahead and start at 12. He says, be not slothful, don't be lazy, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherited the promises. So, I mean, that tells me a couple of things. That tells me, number one, it's not a guarantee that you inherit the promise. Otherwise, he wouldn't tell you, don't be lazy. You know, you have to get after it. 
He says, follow them who through faith and patience. So he's already telling you to inherit the promises of God. You're going to need faith and patience. And then he starts in verse 13 and he starts kind of explaining. He says, for when God made promises to Abraham, because he he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. So let's, let's stop there and we'll talk a little bit about that. When somebody, when somebody swears this kind of swear or takes an oath, um, you've seen that. Like if you go to court, a lot of times they'll make you put your hand on the Bible. What's that all about? You know, or when you're little kids and you're like, whatever, and you're like, no, I swear to God. And then your mom usually backhands you because she doesn't want you saying that, which is a good instinct. But here's the thing. What, what, when, we, when we swear to God... And adults take that very, very badly. Why? What, what is the, what's going on there? When, when you say that you swear to God or when you put your hand on a Bible and you swear that you're going to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, why? What are you, what are you doing? Nobody knows. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, if you swear to God... What are you implying? That if you're lying, what happens? God's going to get you. Same thing when you put your hand on the Bible. You know, oh, you know. That was a big deal, at least when I was a kid. If you put your hand on the Bible. And the whole point was, because, you know, if you swear on the Bible, God's going to get you. Now, that's not exactly how all that stuff works, but it's all right because that's what, that's what we're talking about. So basically what God is trying to do is, is he makes this promise and he knows that the promise is hard to believe. So what's he going to do? Pick up his hand and go, swear to me. You know, that makes no sense. So, but that's kind of what he does. Because, he's, because God says there's nobody, there's nobody bigger than me. I'm going to swear by myself. And what does he mean by that? He means just like when you, you know, maybe when you were a kid or if you're in court and you swear. Basically, what he's saying is, look, I promise on myself. If I lie, I will use my own power to destroy myself. That's some serious business. God was trying to get this across to Abraham. This is how solid my promise is. So let's look, let's go through that again. He says, for when God made promise to Abraham, because he couldn't swear by anything greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless you. And I'll tell you a little bit in, in, in the language this was written in, when people would say something like that, blessing, I will bless you. When they repeat themselves. Or like when Jesus would say, verily, verily, or, you know, I tell you the truth, you'll see it different translations. When they would repeat themselves, what they meant, that was like shorthand for like, it's going to continue. So when he says, blessing, I will bless you, what he means is, you know, forever. You're going to be blessed forever. And multiplying, I will multiply you. So he'll bless you. He'll make you able to prosper. He will multiply you for eternity and he knows that's hard to believe so he says and so after he had patiently 
endured, he obtained the promise. So what he's saying is Abraham believed God. He says, for men will swear by something greater and an oath for confirmation is an end is to them an end to all strife. So what he's saying is, you know, if two men are, if two men are, are, are arguing a point and one of them, you know, puts his hand on a Bible and swears and says, no, I swear, I'm telling you the truth. He says that, that tends to end the discussion. He says, but God willing more abundantly. So he was even more, um, I don't know, motivated to show Unto the heirs of promise, the unchangeability of his counsel, of his purposes. He confirmed it by an oath. So he says, this is my decision. Number one, God's not going to change his mind. And number two, in case that's hard to believe that, that when I say that blessing, I'm going to bless you forever and multiplying, I'm going to multiply you forever. Even if you don't believe that, I'm going to swear by myself So those two things, God's never going to change his mind about it. And God is not going to lie about it so that you can. Remember, the whole point is he's trying to show you how unchanging he's going to be. So he confirms it with two things that never change. His opinion and himself. He says that by these two unchanging things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation. Consolation is what we have when things aren't going right. So what he's saying is, you know, you have your promise, but it's not showing up yet. What do we do with that? How, how can we feel better when, when God's promise hasn't shown up yet, he says, we have this strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope set before us. What he says is this, this promise that I made you doesn't matter what it looks like. He swore that he, it was his purpose. It was his decision to bless you. And he's not changing that decision. And then he swore by it so that when things didn't look good for you, when, when, when the future just didn't look so bright and it looked like the promise wasn't going to come, he said, there's a place you can run to. You can run and hide in that promise, in that oath. And in that, in that quiet place, you can lay hope, or rather lay hold to the hope that he sets before you. All right? When your kids, we're good at that. That's why those of us parents know that don't say something to your kids that you don't mean. If the words come out of your mouth, we're going to Disneyland, man, you better make it happen. Because they will, they will lay hold of that hope and you will be toast. Because they will not let you forget it. And then what happens is they get older and they get disappointed and then they turn into us. But God said, look, I promised and I'm not taking it back. So if I promised you, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Find that secret place. Find that that hiding place where it's just you and God's promise. And remember that that hope is what you can lay hold on. That is it says it's an anchor for your soul. 
Now, I don't know about you guys, but if you live in this world, you might need an anchor. Otherwise, you might just be flopping all over the place. So, these things, you know, these things God has promised us. So, when the world tries to drive you, when the world tries to poke you and make you go in a certain direction, because trust me, it's out there. I mean, most of you guys are well aware that, that, um, that there are people there. I mean, it's just the way the world is now. If they, can, if they can get you in fear about something, they can get you to go do something. You know, they can get you to act the way they want to. As we are right now, thank God, we're not, we're not as bad off as, as Australia. We'll see if anybody gets to that point. But you'll get fined $10,000 if you wander more than two miles from your house. And if they catch you with somebody else that you're not, that's from a different household, double the fine. You look at the chart, infection rates are off the chart. Why? Because everybody's stuck at home with each other, breathing on each other. I mean, well, whatever. I'm not going to get on the, whole, on the whole science thing. But yeah, science got dumped a long, long time ago. There's no, there's no science in any of the, I'm not going to even, yeah, know so many things, can't say anything. But let's just say, I mean, look, do what you got to do, but if I'm, if I'm like getting ready for surgery and I kind of come out of anesthesia for a minute and, and I see my, my surgeon whip out a nasty rag from his pocket and wrap it on his face so he can operate on me, I'm crawling for the door. So... Let's not pretend we all believe those things work. Anyway, that's it. No more opinions. <laughs> but I had a dirty sock on my face. How could I be sick? No, anyway. So what else do we have to do? We have to make sure that our priorities are in order. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. Okay, so remember that God has promised and he is not going to take it back. He is not going to... He's not going to stop being God just so that he can get away with lying to you. That's literally what that scripture said. So let's, let's keep going. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, And if you then are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now you've heard you've heard Pastor talk about that before, and and it really is true. If you you know, uh, I like the example that he gives. Let's see how many of you all remember it. But you know, you can take the meanest, nastiest, you know, uh, most terrible biker in the whole world. You know, I don't know how many notches on his belt from all the people that he's killed. And if he dies, you can dress him up in a little pink tutu and put a little feather in his hair, and he won't say anything because he's dead. So that's the same kind of image that God is saying. Look, if you're, if you're dead in Christ, what does it matter what they say about you, what they do about you, how they talk about you? What difference does it make? If, if you are in Christ, you're dead to the world. And again, why, why am I pointing that out? Because very often, it's, it's the world. Well, you know, you need, to, you need to do this and that. Otherwise, people are going to say, people are going to say what? You know, 
And I'll be honest with you, it's, uh, I heard this, and it, the guy was a Christian, but this was not a Christian book I was reading. And, but it really is funny because how, how absolutely true it is. He says, you know, when we're younger, hopefully like we snap out of it, but when we're younger, we walk around thinking about what other people think about us. And then when you get a little older, you realize that what people are thinking about is themselves. Morning, noon, and night. Like the only time maybe they think of it, maybe when you walk in front of them and the, the little record will change and they'll, you know, maybe they'll have something ugly to say about you or, or post about you. Didn't say anything, but, um, you know, whatever. <laughs> but then right after that passes, oh, it's all about themselves again. So, I mean, you're going to change your life over what somebody else thinks about you or posts about you or whatever. Set your, set your affection on the things above. What are we supposed to be doing today, God. You know how much that irritates people when they can't get you off your plan? I've seen it. You know, I've, I've seen people literally get aggravated that they can't aggravate me. <laughs> it's funny because they, they, you know, they're sitting there with their little hat and the little party thing and they want you to join their pity party. And if you don't, they just, they get upset. You know, I've seen, well, um, well, whatever. All right, One. One more, one more freebie. I've seen so many people go from sad to furious in five seconds if you don't like if you don't jump in the pity party with them. I mean, it's kind of like the kind of like that that scripture in the Bible where where you know the little girl dies and and you know everybody comes in and and they're all wailing and crying and throwing themselves on the on the little girl and and all this other stuff. And then Jesus goes, oh, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And then all of a sudden, it's the funniest thing. That's, they laugh him to scorn. Oh, I thought they were all so sad about what was happening. Or were they putting on a show? All right, that was free. So anyway, affection on things above. Why? Because that's the important stuff. What is, what's your plan? You should have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you should get a plan. Because again, we're talking about being led, not about being driven. You know, not about being, you know, uh, poked from from side to side, because honestly, again, not to go back to the cow situation, but it's funny how how it fits. You know, you want to get the cow to go in this pen over here. You walk to the other side of the cow and you poke him with a stick and there he goes. You know, sometimes the the mean ones, you got to poke them three or four times. But, you know, if all they do is is run away from the poke, you'll get them exactly where you want them to go. Ouch. Okay, so I didn't say anything. All right. Mark 4, verse 18 and 19. And I'm not going to go into the whole parable, but we, we've heard these uh, before where, where Jesus is teaching. And he says that the sower sows the word. And he talks about how how all the different, uh, the different things, but I'm just going to focus on, on what he's talking about at 18 and 19. He says, these are they which were sown among thorns. They are the ones that hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So I'm just kind of focusing right in on that, on that part. Like I said, you've probably heard this this uh, scripture before, but he's really, what he's talking about is, you know, you're in church, you hear something, you know, and maybe you, maybe you get all excited about it because it's, it's something that's bringing hope into your situation. 
And then you go home and you start thinking, there's your problem. You start thinking, well, what if, if this, and then what if that, and then this other thing, and what about that? And, and so after all, you're sitting here, and instead of just believing in the promise, because you know what? When, when someone promises you something, it's kind of not in your hands to do anything, except maybe, like, show up. You know, but if somebody else promises, they're promising to do you know, so what happens is you start, you start thinking and all, the, all these thoughts, those are like those weeds growing up. And eventually the little promise, if you focus on the weeds instead of the promise, the weeds grow up, choke your, your, you know, your newborn little sprout of faith, and then you're back in the same boat again. You know, what's your priority? You know, your priority should be where God is taking you, what God is, is leading you to, not you know, not what's around you right now. I mean, it, it seems funny because it's so, it's so natural. Like a lot of these spiritual things, they seem like really hard concepts to grasp, grasp, but in real life, it works exactly the same way. You know, if you get lost on the ranch and you're just like, you're going through the, the bushes and everything, every direction looks like every other direction. What you need to do is you need to focus on some point. Let's say there's a you know, a water tower or a windmill or something, and you start walking towards it, it's that far vision that's going to take you through the present circumstances. If you keep looking at the, if you keep looking at the, at the, the branches, which, you know, which way you can go, well, this part's closed, but this part's open, you could wander far away from where you intend to go. I'm getting a lot of blank stares, so I'm guessing a lot of you guys never wander around the woods. But... Bottom line is if you don't if you don't keep your eye on some landmark far away, you know, and all you do is pay attention to what's right here, that'll mislead you because present circumstances don't always lead you towards distant goals. So you've got to have your you've got to have your priorities set on things above. You know, like I said, it's it, it, I know maybe that seems kind of you know, out there, but it's really, again, like if you're lost, if you can just find, if you can just find one landmark that you know how to guide yourself towards, you'll get there. Even if you, even if you can't walk in that direction right now, you can walk around this way until you find, and then you go that way. Like I said, uh, there's, there's a part where this is not really all that mystical. It's just, you know, God's trying to get you to see something and where we put our focus is so important. So, you know, we keep focusing on the, on, the, on the stuff that's in front of us, and a lot of times we'll miss where God is trying to take us. Yeah. So, last part. Yeah, it's probably going to be a short one. Uh, last part. Remember that God's in control. Okay? That doesn't mean, uh, I feel like I just kind of have to say it because I'm seeing a resurgence of of, of things in the church where, you know, God does things to you, you know, God's in control, but keep in mind that he also delegated a large part of that power to the church. So God's not going to work you like a puppet. God's not going to work anyone like a puppet. That's not, that's not how he does things. So when God is in control, he's in control to the extent that you let him. That's a whole other, that's a whole other 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 uh, uh, teaching, I guess, but um, but ultimately, 
if you go with God, in other words, I can't. All right, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to make a pretty bold statement, but I don't want you all to disagree with it. I want you to agree with it. (laughs) Okay. How I believe affects my family. Okay. How I believe affects my town, affects my state, affects my nation, affects the world. That sounds like I think I'm a big shot. It's true for me, but it's true for every single one of you. If you if you give up, if you give up your ability. So why is the United States going in the direction it is? Because a whole lot of Christians are paying attention to their circumstances and not to God. I can say that with an absolute fact. You know, every time you look at it in the Bible, every time. You know, yes, not everybody in Israel was perfect. In fact, they were rarely perfect. But whenever God decided he was going to do something, he'd look at his people, the ones that believed in him, the ones that tried. And he was like, you know, what are you guys saying? What are you guys doing? And if they were messed up, the whole country went in a different direction. God is literally looking for you to put yourself in that position to say, you know what? My country is not going to go in this direction. My state is not going to go in this direction. My town is not going to go in this direction. My job is not going to go in this direction. My family is not going to go in this direction because I have promises from God. Now, if hardly anyone stands with you, I mean, will it still, will you still obtain the promise? Ask Abraham. You know, God said he was going to do something. And Abraham said, wait a minute, let's talk about this, God. And they literally got on the same page before he affected two whole cities. God is looking for someone who will walk in that kind of authority. Look, whether it happens or not, that's not my that's not my business. How the United States goes is not my business, ultimately. I will stand up and I will say what I have to say and I will pray the way I have to pray. But at the end of the day, if the country goes in a different direction, I'm still blessed. But I can't take that, I can't take that as, a, as an opportunity to not do my part. Yeah, you know, to just sit there and watch it happen. You know, God's sitting there waiting for some of his people to start believing his promises so that he can make them come to pass, so he can have something to work with. But if you, you know, if all you do, I'm not going to change messages, but I, I know I've preached before, you know, we, the church, me and you, all of us, were given God's power and God's authority. All right? If you look at any law enforcement they have a badge, that's their authority, and they have a gun, and that's their power. If you don't stop for the first one, you'll stop for the second one. Okay? And a lot of times, Christians are like that deputy that sits in the stripes drinking coffee, and, you know, they come in and they start robbing the place, and the deputy goes like, man, I wish somebody would do something. He's the one with the power and the authority to do something, 
And he's just watching and blaming the sheriff because the sheriff didn't send anybody. Um, dude, you're sitting right there. When somebody attacks your family, again, call other Christians for prayer. Call, I mean, we're all a family. We all do what we've got to do together. But you make a mistake when you forget that you have a badge and you have a gun and you're sitting right there. You know, first one to first one to respond should be you. Now, all right. Let's look at um, at Psalm thirty-seven, and I'll start my first of three closings. So ultimately, what we what we see is, you know, God is in control. We have to we have to do what we have to do again, following that leading, following that prompting of God to 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 take authority when we have to or to pray the way we need to. And we have his promises again that ultimately these things are uh, God has decided how these things will work out. And it says in verse 17, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds his righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They will not be ashamed in the evil time. And even in days of famine, they shall be satisfied. So regardless. So again, like I said, God, you the more you exercise your authority, the more control you will have. God did not leave your, um, your future in anyone else's hands but yours. Okay? If you refuse to take authority over your, of your corner of the world, of your kingdom, then that'll, get, uh, that'll go the way of the world, whatever that is. You know, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But if you exercise that authority, then... You go on a whole different plan, you know, not to um, not to get too deep into it. But, you know, you're an American citizen. Things are not going that great right now in in uh, in Cuba. If you were to like right now, we don't have an American embassy in Cuba. But if you did, you know, if there was an American embassy down there and you would go down there as an American citizen. Inside the gates of that embassy. There's a different authority in there. That's the United States, even legally. You know, while there may not be enough food in Cuba, I bet you there's enough food in that embassy. You know, there may not be any safety in the country, but there is inside the embassy. When God says you are an ambassador on this earth, that's what that means. There may be lack in your town, but not in your house. You know, there may be a lack of security in your town, but not in your house because you're not part of that system. You're part of God's system, but you have to walk in that and exercise it or it doesn't happen. So. I think I'm going to wrap this up with uh, let's turn to Second Peter, chapter one and verse three. Because this is where we are in this world right now. He says, 
Well, let's back up to, to number two, Second uh, Peter chapter one, verse two. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. I don't know if you if you hear the reference back to the scripture I started off with blessing, he would bless you and multiplying, he would multiply you. OK, so all these things, grace, the ability to meet all your needs, peace. Well, that's always good to have all these things being multiplied back to you through God and through Jesus. And he says, according as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us. I mean, that's <laughs> what more do you want? He's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Whatever area of your life is not working, God has given you all things. Amen. It says, whereby are given unto us. So whereby, I mean, think, I know sometimes we don't really talk like this, but he's thinking, so, so if God gave you all these things, he says, whereby that, these uh this, these promises, it says, he has given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. He says, where we are right now, God has given you promises. He knows what the world is like right now. He knows it's not the way he designed it right now. But he's given you, <clears throat> he's given you great and precious promises that by these, by, by hanging on to those promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature. I mean, think about that. that. It's not just a saying when you hear people say, oh, it was like heaven on earth. That's possible. That's possible for you now. I mean, you know, you, where you need God's promises are not in the sweet by and by, but the nasty here and now. I mean, that's, that's just the truth. God's promises are of no use to you in heaven. It's already there. I mean, if I promise to, to bring you a taco in the morning, like once I give you a taco, where's the promise? It's completed. It's done. You know, now, now it's, you know, now you're living in the breakfast, I guess. You know, you get to enjoy the taco I brought you. Well, it's the same thing. You know, we have the promises until we're there. So the promises are for right now so that we can partake of the divine nature right now. But I don't believe that. Well, I'm sorry. God already said he knew it was going to be hard for you to believe. That's why he swore by himself. He said, I've already made the decision. I'm not going to change my mind, but just in case I'm going to give you this other thing that doesn't change my divine nature. So that if I, don't complete the, if I don't deliver on my promises, I'll just stop being God. I'm sorry, whatever, whatever problem you're facing right now is not too difficult for God. I mean, God's not going to throw his hands up and go, all right, I guess I can't do this one. And then, then what? I mean, that's the, the really is the whole point. I mean, I hope that sounds as ridiculous as I tried to make it sound because that's what you're saying. When you're saying God can't, you know, I know God promised, but, you know, just imagine God 
I'm out. Boop. You know, that, that's what, I mean, that's got to be what you're thinking. If you think that God is going to all of a sudden complete, you know, he's got all his promises, but laudo, sorry, can't do whatever for you. You know, whatever you're believing him for, too hard. Sorry. You know, he's just going to have to cease to exist. I mean, it makes no, it makes no sense, you know, but that's where we are. So he says, so that by these promises, we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay. And that, like I said, that's, that's a, if I can just kind of summarize all that real quick, it's what I was talking to you about when I was talking about another country. If you're in the, if you're in the embassy, if you're in the U.S. embassy, then it doesn't matter what the rules are in the country that embassy is in. Inside those gates, U.S. rules apply. Okay? So it doesn't matter, you know, what the economy of Hebronville is like, what the economy of Bruni is like, what the economy of Laredo is like. You know, whether people are doing what they're supposed to be doing, whether wise people or, you know, corrupt people are in charge, it doesn't matter. Inside your gates, kingdom of heaven rules apply. And that's the whole point of of getting to that place where, where, you know what, I understand all these circumstances, but I'm going to take these promises and I'm going to go into that secret place and I'm going to hang on to those because those are the anchor of my soul. Okay, those promises keep me standing when looking at the surroundings would knock me over. Because in order for God to not fulfill his promise to me, he'd have to stop being God. And that's not going to happen anytime soon. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to look at God and tell him, God, I know you swore by yourself, but that's not enough. I need more proof. You know, I, I just, I can't, I can't do that to someone who gave his son for me. I mean, if he didn't hold that back, what else is he going to hold back? My rent? I mean, that makes no sense. So, um, that's it. I don't, <laughs> I'm not real good on the wrap ups, but what I want you to understand is, 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 the world is right now seeking to move you, to drive you, to, you know, to make you do what they want you to do by making it uncomfortable for you here, or, you know, poking you over there. And they're trying to drive you to something, which is fine. If God has pointed out a particular direction to you, go that direction. You know, sometimes it's possible, you know, sometimes it's possible that that, you know, uh, that things are looking a certain way and you get in your secret place and God is like, no, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. I've had that happen before. You know, sometimes good ideas are actually God ideas, but he does want you to check first, you know? And so when you do that, you, you can start to get to that place where, where, you know what, it doesn't really matter what's going on out here. You know, I know where I'm supposed to be going. You know, I know that that it doesn't matter what else happens. I have the promise. And that really is that really is the place you have to get, because like I said, I mean, that that's where I started off in Matthew 24. 
weird things are happening. Weirder things are going to happen. And so we just have to get to that point where when, we, when we're not sure, when we're feeling poked on every side, okay, well, which way does God want me to go? And you really have to get to that point where you say, you know, God, I know you know how to get my attention. I mean, seriously, the, the, with me, it's, it happened probably two times in my, in my Christian life where it's like, you know, God kept telling me something and telling me something and telling me something. And, and I just kept, I can't tell you what the word is for what I was doing, but, um, but I, was, uh, I was acting stupid. Parents are familiar with that, with that attitude from children. You know, um, did you actually say, you know, but, you know, and I, I was literally just dragging my feet, bottom line, because I didn't like it. I, did, I didn't want to. And so I kept playing this game of, oh, well, I'm not sure in God's timing. And, you know, because I was already Christian enough to play the game. And, and so I'm, I'm sitting here and I know at the, at the end of the days, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. And then it's like at a certain point, it was funny because I remember I was driving. I was driving and I might as well have gotten yelled at like loud, like just do it. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. I can't tell you what, I can't tell you what, I mean, like I said, I didn't hear anything. It was like, you know, my spiritual slack got jerked right out of me. And it's like, it, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't nice, Jesus, you know, like, oh, if thou wouldest, no, it was like, do it, you know, and okay, you know, like I said, I mean, and, and I don't, I don't know why I just, I, I guess because he already gave me as much time as he was willing to give me. And I was going to, I was going to mess something up with my, hold on, let me see. I'm concerned. I have issues. I have whatever we say instead of worry and fear, you know, that, um, I, I'm just not, con- you know, the timing Lord, you know, and all these other things that, that, yeah. Okay. So y'all play the game too. Good. Okay. So. You know, at a certain point, like, I mean, I don't know what was happening in the spirit world, but I was about to miss it. And so I got yelled at. So, but the, the positive side of that story, yes, I did it. No, I'm not going to tell you what it is. But what happened was that I now know full well that God knows how to get my attention. And I don't want him to do that again because it wasn't fun. So... It's like I said, how much more, how much more so if you stop playing games like, okay, like God, look, okay, I'm, I'm a little confused already. Legitimately, I'm all, I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused. I've, you know, I've been listening to a lot of different things and I'm not sure, you know, which one of these is you, which one of these directions, any of them, you know, and just get quiet long enough to hear the answer. You know, sometimes you have to do that, but it's like I said, I know because I know God knows how to get my attention. So why, why wait for it to get there? You know, just be quiet and say, okay, like God, you know, which way? And that really, you need to be, you need to be led. And so if there's anything that, that, that I can sort of pass along to you today is, is spend that time, you know, spend some time figuring out where you're supposed to be going. What, you know, what is your mission? What are you supposed to be doing? That's something that you can only answer for yourself, you know, in your prayer closet with God. You have to you have to do that because it's it's going to be what it's going to be what provides that anchor for your soul. 
okay? Because the world will smack you around one way or the other. And, you know, by the time you get in concern, in fear, in doubt, in pain, in all these other things, I mean, let's face it, after a certain amount of, uh, after a certain amount of, of those things happening to you, you'll make any decision just to make it stop. And that's where we've got to be careful. So all that said, I want us all to, to kind of grab onto that idea of being led by God rather than driven by the world. Because like I said, I've seen it just in the past couple of years. People agreeing to things they would never have agreed to before. Um, things happening that I didn't think would ever happen. Or, you know, oh, that's 20 years, 100 years down the road. That all of a sudden it takes you know, practically the blink of an eye, you know, um, because people were in enough pain, enough discomfort, enough fear that they just did, you know, whatever the, the one who was putting them in fear wanted them to do. So that said, I want everybody to, to, to take a moment and just quietly seek God and make sure that you that you know what your plan is and if you don't have one seek him for it I mean he's got a plan for every single one of us that's not just a cute saying it, it's something when I know that I'm doing exactly exactly what God wants me doing right this instant that's like the perfect spot because at that point everything just works you know, don't have to worry about bills, don't have to worry about relationships, don't have to worry about job, don't have to worry about anything. Because right now, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I don't have to worry about the future. Dear Father God, I just lift up the congregation this morning, Father God, as they seek you, Father God, for what their assignment is, what their mission is. Father God, we know every single person in here believes that they are your hands and feet, and sometimes they're just confused about which way to go. So I just ask you, Father God, to make yourself clear to every single person that's in here seeking you, Father God, that you give them what they need to to begin to understand their purpose, understand their mission, and know that when they are in when they're in your will nothing of this world can touch them. Thank you for it, Father God.
just thank you that you are true to your word, Father God, and that you are meeting every single person here that's seeking you for their assignment, Father God, and that you are revealing it to them. Just thank you, Father God, in the days ahead and the weeks ahead, they will continue to seek you until that that mission, that assignment becomes clear and becomes a guiding light for them, Father God, so that they understand what their part is in the world right now, Father God. We know that as things get um, stranger out there in the world, that you are that much more willing to show your glory through the church, Father God, so that we can be that light in a dark place. And we just thank you for it, Father God, that every single person here has a part to play in being that light. We just thank you for it, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's not... um, Let's not break the, the, the spirit of worship. And if you're still seeking God, by all means, just continue to do so. Um, we know that, um, that part of this is um, part of the things that, that we do is um, we get involved in the, in the um, uh, God's covenant of of protection, of God's covenant, of healing, God's covenant, of provision. And in that, um, just in this atmosphere of, of, of praise and worship, let's, um, if anybody has um, an offering that they'd like to bring to, to the Lord, offer that first to God. And we'll, we'll make the... Uh, the uh, computer uh, giving thing available right now, but more than anything else, think about what your, what your part is. If you have something to, 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 um, to bring to the Lord in, in, in that uh, area, like I said, I just, just in this atmosphere of praise and worship, do what you have to do there. And again, if you're just still seeking God for your, for your assignment, continue to do so. Just thank you, Father God, that that you've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, Father God. In every area, you have a, a covenant word and a covenant response to us, Father God. We thank you for it.
across the crowd. It, it, I think everybody's finished. If we could all just stand and we'll, we'll pray and be dismissed. Father God, we just thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to, to sow into this work, Father God. And we just thank you that we rely on your promises, Father God, that, that blessing you would bless us for eternity and that multiplying you would multiply us throughout eternity, Father God. And so we just thank you, Father God, that, that for any needs that we have, that, that people have sown in faith, Father God, that we just believe for their multiplication back into their lives, Father God, that we know that we have strong consolation, that if we don't have what we need, at least we always have a seed. We thank you for that, Father God. Father God, we just lift up pastor as he's uh, ministering in New York today and we ask for protection for him on his way back we just ask for uh, miracles at his um, at his um, uh, talk today at um, with pastor Dan Stratton and we just thank you father God for the congregation we ask for uh, blessings of protection over them father God as they return home we just thank you father God that throughout the rest of this week father God you will begin to develop that uh, image, that understanding of their assignment, Father God, and we just thank you for it. Father God, we thank you for the, the freedoms that we have in this country and that we can all be free to follow you. We thank you for that, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, bye.